when I asked him, how do you define what's the biggest cause for homelessness? He said, relational deficit. When there's a deficit there, you're, you're craving that. And when someone stops and they're looking to have a relationship with you, you're actually most likely to listen to that person. Hi, I'm Jack Crowley, president of Water Street Mission. Welcome to the Restorers podcast. How can we help our neighbors? who are struggling, who have suffered and maybe even lost their home and are living on the street. Instead of giving you our own answer, uh, we decided to actually talk with our guests and ask them about their experiences and hear their perspectives on what would have been most helpful while they were living on the street, while they were struggling before they came to Water Street, what would have been most helpful. We've actually put together all of our guest responses to that question of how to help them when they're on the street. We've put it in a document, and you can find that at our website, wsm.org backslash how to help. Download that document. You can see more feedback from our guests, and maybe it'll help you on your journey of helping your neighbor. I want to give a special thank you to our season two sponsors, MHEB Incorporated, Amish Gazebos, Espen Shade Farms, and Espen Shade Mills. To learn more about our sponsors, visit wsm.org backslash podcast. I'm excited to get started on this episode uh, and really excited to have John Ruchameza with us today. John is one of our life coach supervisors at Water Street Mission. John, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to hear some of your insights as you've walked with so many of our guests through this journey. The topic today, we're looking at, you know, how can we help um, those who are still on the street, those who are experiencing homelessness, um, but we're taking a unique look at it because as I've been in this role, and I'm guessing you get this question a lot too, uh, when people find out that you work at Water Street, do you ever get that question? What should I do if I see somebody asking for money or I see somebody who's obviously in need on the street and homeless? What should I do, John? Do you ever get that question? A lot. <laughs> I have. Um, over the years, I, I get that question. People are wondering and concerned as to what, what the appropriate response yeah. would be because there, there's a lot of misconceptions out there as to what you whether you're helping or hurting somebody. Yep. And so um, I actually, to be honest, I always enjoy that question because that helps me to help people to understand something that is seriously misunderstood. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the things like I struggle with sometimes, you know, when people ask me that question, because there's not one right answer uh, for every situation. And there's not. and, And I think sometimes people are looking. There's a genuine heart to help. But often we're human. We want that answer. We want the right answer. This is what I do every time I encounter somebody. And I've realized that that's not the case, even in my own experience, living in the city, walking to work, walking with my family downtown, you know, just doing life and running into people. My response is different. Um, and it, I think it should be, but I love what we're doing today. And, and our staff here took the time to talk with our guests. We went right to some of our friends who are experiencing homelessness or who have and are now staying at Water Street. We asked them, what would be most helpful? When you were out on the street, when you were struggling, what was it that you needed most? 
when you encountered people or people came looking to help you, what was most valuable or helpful to you? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to share some of that with you, John. I want to hear your reaction, your thought on some of their things. One of the first things that came up as we sat down with our guests is the importance of information, how important information can be. And and let me read you one quote from, from one of our guests. They said, when you're doing well, you're not thinking about where you can go for help. But as soon as the walls come in, then you don't know where to go. Right. Is that an experience you think is common for for those who have, have taken that last step, fallen into a place where, where they're without a home? The court says when the walls come in, you get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. A lot of our guests are overwhelmed to a degree where they're not able to even I'll say maybe even remember what they might they might know mm-hmm. and then there's also um sometimes because a person might not be from here they yeah. might not be in Lancaster maybe due to different circumstances they found themselves in Lancaster and then things happen to them here uh it, it's hard for them to figure out yeah. where to turn yeah. So yeah. that's that's very true. Well, and and we know a good number of the people who end up coming to Water Street didn't start in the city of Lancaster. They may have lived out in the county somewhere. They were in Marietta. They were in Gap. You know, they were living somewhere else. They ended up coming to the city because they, you know, they were struggling. They needed help. They knew there was help in the city, but they didn't know where. And then they end up, you know, homeless and uh, and and looking for that opportunity. What kind of information do you think is would be most valuable? You know, as as they're saying, like, man, just having information, knowing where to turn, being able to remember that stuff is hard. What kind of information do you think was most valuable when somebody's actually, you know, they're they're living on the street and they're trying to make do? The information I would say to have ready for people that want to help is to know where the resources are. Yeah. The first thing that I would think of is Water Street, but there's also other organizations and resources. So through conversation and listening, you find out what the person's primary need in their yeah. situation at and the moment And then you can know is. what information they're going to need most. And, right. and just a couple I'll throw out here right on the podcast for people who are listening. You know, obviously, 2 on one right. is the call center that helps connect all kinds of resources. Um obviously Water Street, uh, as we're talking about. And another one that I think is a great resource is ourcommunitymeals.org. It's a website that um, there are churches and organizations partnering in Lancaster City um, to provide meals, three meals a day, seven days a week, um, are available to people who, who don't have access, whether they're struggling, living in a home, but struggling to make ends meet, or if they're on the street, you can get a free meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, seven days a week. Um, if you go to ourcommunitymeals.org, it lists where they are. So you click on that link. It shows you today is Tuesday that we're recording this. It'll tell you where the meals are on Tuesday, and they're all within walking distance of downtown. Um, and then learning those other resources about uh, you know the other agencies, Milagro House and Claire House and uh, the shelter that... Um, Lancaster Food Hub operates. Like the more we know about those things, then we can point people in direction of of good health and 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 help. Speaking of which, you know, 
pointing people to Water Street, also knowing what Water Street does. One of our guests said, you know, I wish I had known what specific programs Water Street offered um, and and that there are a lot of things that Water Street offers that people don't know about. What are some of those things that, that our guests are surprised by when they show up? Because you've had that experience of meeting our guests as they're coming in the door and walking with them. And, and what are they surprised that Water Street has to offer? We have a daytime shelter here, which is, I find, unique even to most shelters around, at least around this area. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when guests realize they have a hub where they can sit, decompress as they plan out what they're going to do in search for housing or job or whatever it is that they need to to resolve in order yeah. to begin their process of, of uh, resolving homelessness. Uh, that that's, that's one major one. Um, and then also our facilities, uh, we have a place where we call the, the enrichment center. That's a, that's a huge mm-hmm. resources to, to access computers and be able to apply for jobs or even some, some of our guests even do job interviews um, over zoom or whatever. Over zoom. Yeah. We have a clinic here Obviously, we have long-term programs also for yeah. guests that want to engage an internal work before they, they go back out to yeah. work and, and also finding housing. And these are things that I think we take for granted mm. until you are in that kind of predicament. And yeah. then and remember, Water Street and other homeless shelters have a bad reputation. Right. You, people are scared to come here. I know yeah. that from personal experience. That's a great point. There are, there are a lot of misconceptions out there about, and that, so some of the information is to replace bad information where somebody, and, and, and some of it's based on valid experience that people have had, whether it's here or somewhere else, but one person's bad experience at a shelter in another community can affect, you know, the perceptions of 20, 30 people from ever stepping foot in the door at our shelter or at the one that the food hub runs because, Oh, I, somebody had a bad experience here. So I'm never going to any shelter. And one of the things you mentioned, I know is a big misconception is the idea that if you come for just shelter at water street, not the long-term program, you have to leave at seven in the morning and you can't come back during the day. And that's a huge misconception because we do have that day center. You talked about, we have the enrichment center. We offer three meals a day to those who are staying in our shelter. And that's a huge thing for people to understand. It's not just a place to sleep, but there's a place to be during the day where people are going to come alongside of you and help you address and identify issues and, and supports that can help, let alone the clinic, the, the counseling that's offered, everything. There's so much that's available. One of the things you touched on, John, was, was the relationships. And, uh, and that was an interesting thing in our conversation with our guests. In our notes here, it says that guests were most heavily divided on whether they would have liked someone in the community to talk to. Some of our guests said, you know, I, I desired that. I wanted that while I was out there and, and rarely got it. Others were like, actually, I, I wouldn't feel safe if somebody walked up to me and yeah. started talking to me and sitting down and wanting to get in my business. So there, there's an interesting dynamic to that. When, some, when our friends ask us, how do I help somebody who's on the street? I've often thought about, see them as a person, yeah. engage with them if you have time. Don't start something you can't finish. Yeah. 
but engage and, and build relationship, trust, get to know them. Some of our guests are like, yes, yes, that's what I needed. And others are like, no, like that wouldn't have felt safe to me. What do yeah. you think? Like when you hear that, what do you think? This is one area that takes discernment. Mm. I see discernment two ways as a Christian. There's a spiritual discernment, but there's also a, a discernment from wisdom, just knowing that when you see one person, you haven't seen them all. Mm. Um, knowing that everybody doesn't need the same thing right. at the same time. So you, you approach the situation carefully, understanding that uh, if someone gives you signs that maybe they're not interested in engaging any further, mm -hmm. then you know when to pull back. When you're discerning that way, you're putting the person's need above yourself and you're thinking of that person first. And so you'll be able to respect if, if you see that if they're inviting you, you lean in, but if they're saying, you know, step back, they're showing you signs. Mm. Remember on the street, someone already has an image that they think this is what people think about me. Right. It, understandably so, if you're laying down at Beans Park, where mostly people that are walking by are people who are doing well, they're going, minding their business, and you're laying there, you can imagine the shame that somebody's feeling. As you reach out to help somebody, you want to be sure that you don't hurt them mm. rather than help. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing up the word discernment because I think that's that's such a key, both the spiritual and the practical discernment that I think is really important that we not assume that we're walking into a situation where, oh, that person's going to want my help in this yeah. way, but really being open to saying to, hey, is it okay? Do you mind if I sit down and we talk for a little bit? And, and respecting, like they may say yes, but you can see in their body language or facial expression, they're really saying no. Right. <laughs> um, and honor that and say, hey, no, if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm, you know, I'll come back another time. And just honoring the person, it really does come back to that, honoring the person, seeing them clearly, but then discerning, you know, what's right. And, and then probably some practical, logical common sense as well. Like, I'm a six foot tall male, 200 plus pounds, and there's a, a young female who's in a vulnerable state being experiencing homelessness, like just walking up on her and talking to her and trying to express that I'm going to help her could be incredibly intimidating and okay. traumatizing even. And so use common sense and, uh, and engage in a way that's really honoring and respectful of the individual. Yeah. And, and also, you know, especially in a small town like Lancaster, uh, you probably will see that person again. Mm -hmm. So just being patient. Um, and I'm talking about the ones that are showing you signs that, okay, uh, you know, not today or not yeah, right yeah. now. Um, ultimately, everybody wants a relationship. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to feel, to be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, I believe, built into us as humans, by God. It's just that, again, sometimes we have to be patient. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes we also have to accept that maybe you're not the person for the job. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> you know, these are things that we have to yeah. constantly be thinking about as we seek yeah. to help our neighbors. And just because you can't help that person in that moment doesn't mean you can't help. 
Right. There's other ways, right? And there's obviously other resources you can invest in and support and connect with, um, which gets to another practical question I get asked a lot, and that is like, should I give money to somebody on the street? Should I give you know resources to somebody on the street? Is that going to help or hurt? We did talk to our guests about that. So we're like, you know, what it, what would you feel like, or would it be helpful if somebody gave you money when you were out on the street? And most of them said, yeah, <laughs> it would help. Yeah. Food, money. But they also pointed out the risk because they knew that in that state, some of them would have misused the money. Yeah. Some of them know that their their friends on the street would have misused the money. And so they, they saw that tension and recognized it. And they're like, yeah, money wasn't always helpful. Yeah. But you know what? Money could be helpful. And so it was interesting to hear that from our guests. What are your thoughts on that, John? When you think about, you know, you know, somebody who maybe is not ready to come into shelter because all those barriers, whether it's mental health issues, whether it's personal trauma they've experienced, what do you think about, you know, providing some some tangible items or even money to somebody who's on the street? I've evolved on that question. I um, I used to be, I, I used to believe uh, that it was wrong to give people money mm-hmm. on the street, across the board. I'm not giving money. And I've met people to this day. I meet people who say, nope, I'm not giving you money. I'm going to go get you food if that's what you want. But for me, as I said, I've evolved to realize that there's a lot of assumptions that I've made to come to that conclusion. Mm. You're, again, treating one person as if one person represents Represent everybody. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're assuming that this person is, that every time you see somebody on a corner, they're going to abuse money without considering the fact that somebody might actually be telling the truth. They need help. This is the only way they know how to mm-hmm. to ask for help. Um, they they need some money to put to put food on their stomach, and this is the only way they you know. So yeah. I've, yeah. I've it, it's too complicated. Yep. I'm not here to give a like a definite. This is the answer. Yeah. I'm the yeah. expert, um, but I think discernment is even especially crucial there to be discerning. Uh, and to just follow the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, it, you know, because ultimately, relationship is the key. Yeah. And maybe for you to have a relationship with that person, you giving the money as they're in a very vulnerable position there on the streets holding a sign might be what opens the door. Yeah. And I, I love, again, you bring back that word of discernment. And I think so, um, not to get pedantic for a moment, but I think, you know, it's not about like, oh, there's somebody in need, let me pray, and God, tell me what to do. We need to be walking with him all the time, seeking him, even around this issue. Begin seeking yeah. him today. God, give me a sensitive spirit to hear your voice, to know how I can love my neighbor how I can love these individuals who are experiencing one of the hardest things any human could experience being homeless on the street, right? Give me a heart to understand your, your heart for them and know how to respond in the moment so that we're not like throwing up those prayers, hoping that God's going to give us a word. But we know so that when we walk up on that person, we already have the, the heart and the mind of God in us and we can discern how to respond in that moment, see that person as a human and, and respond the right way. And like you said, 
if you're going to give money, it's not like, oh, that's the answer. Yeah. You know, giving them two bucks or 50 cents or whatever it is. Or, you know, see the person. Let that be an opening to maybe a relationship to trust, to providing what even our guest said. Information is more important. Relationship is more important. Yeah. I may not be ready for that when I'm asking for a dollar, but given the dollar, seeing them, treating them as a human may open the door that, like you said, we're a small town. You're probably going to see that person again. It's yeah. a good chance. And especially if you're asking God to work in you to help them, God's going to give you that opportunity and you can, you'll probably encounter them again. Maybe you can have more of a relationship. There's actually a quote that we got from you in one of these sessions when we were talking with our guests um, you said, sometimes it's not a question so much about looking for resources so much as needing someone just to be there for us, someone to listen and talk and bounce ideas off of and kind of process things with. And I think that goes for those who are, who are here at Water Street, but also those who are still on the street. You know, they yeah. need that person they can process with. And it, that's not something you walk up on day one and you're able to provide, right? right. It takes time. So I, I know you've walked that journey with our guests as well. Yeah. The hard work is in stooping down to the person's level and showing them that you're not any better than them. Mm -hmm. uh, that that you, you feel for them, you're here for them. Because this is the greatest need, I believe. You know, somebody defined homelessness Pastor Michael Booth years ago, when asked when I asked him how do you define what's the biggest cause for homelessness, he said relational deficit. Mm. Uh, and so that's always stuck with me. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, it, and and again from personal experience, when there's a deficit there, you're you're craving that, and when someone stops and they're looking to have a relationship with you, you're actually most likely to listen to that person. Mm more than you are the person who's just saying, hey, why don't you go get a job? Right. You know, why, why <laughs> right. don't you, you know, go to the mission? Right. Right? Uh, so that, that's, that's been very important to me over the years. Um, God has just used that kind of mindset to help me build some, some of the most amazing relationships yeah. around here. That's awesome. That's awesome, John. Well, thank you for your your input today. As we as we listen to some of our guests' input, um, you know, maybe you tuned into this podcast hoping you'd get a quick and easy answer. I know we didn't give you that, <laughs> but uh, but hopefully we gave you some insights into you know what it is that our guests are experiencing, what our friends who are on the street are experiencing, and and how you can be helpful. I think again, you know, there were some of those specifics of information is important, resources can be helpful. But relationship ultimately is where where change happens. And so uh, we ask you to consider that. And uh, thank you for listening in today and joining us on this podcast. <laughs>